Okay, so I wanted to come on here and talk about a couple of visions I've had that I use to encourage me when it feels like Satan is attacking me in such a way where he's trying to make me feel as if I have no hope, no future, and that things aren't going according to plan, according to God's plan, or that is something that I'm doing in order to, there's something I'm doing that's actually causing what God promised me to, I'm forfeiting what God promised me with different mistakes, different sin, different things I've done that's wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. You do have to try. You do have to be better. You can't go on sinning and expect God to make a difference in your life. But the if you slip back into sin or make mistakes, that is not a guarantee that God is abandoning you or will abandon you. Actually, here's a good one. One day, I was so afraid of slipping back into sin, and I was so afraid of God abandoning me if I did that I did. It forced me to actually slip back into sin. And what I mean slip back into sin, like I drank wine. I was drinking, and I was supposed to stay sober. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant, because Satan prowls around like a royal lion or walks around like a a lion seeking whom he may devour so um it was one of those days that you know i was remember i was you know my heart was set on that verse my my mind couldn't you know my mind was so overwhelmed though with everything and everyone and everything around me that, you know, it caused me to slip back into the sin as opposed to if I felt like, you know, I honestly feel that if I wasn't so pressured or under so much pressure that I honestly wouldn't have even thought about wine. I would have been able to continue on for God knows how long without slipping back into sin. But because of all the pressure, I was, I feel pressured back into sin. And this happens because we turn to God and then we get tested. And the reason why we are tested is because God wants to make us strong Christians. He doesn't want any weak Christians. And in the midst of our tests, part of the test is going under all sorts of fire and being pushed, being put through the fire in order to prove that if you ever face any heart, you know, if you ever were put in a in a hard position or stuck between a rock and a hard place, that you would be able to make it through without running back to your sin. Now, all of this understood, yes, I still did, but I genuinely felt like um, I just felt a lot of pressure, not only for myself, but for everyone else. And I think that I was handling it the wrong way. Of course, I was. But more than just slipping back into my sin, which was drinking wine, the way that I handled it wrong was assuming all the responsibility for myself. And when I say that, like assuming responsibility for myself, that's, you know, given. It wasn't because of just what I needed to do or just my own self. Because if it had been that, I almost feel like it would have been too easy. But it was assuming responsibility for everyone around me, like my family, my friends, the people I love, because I'm understanding that Jesus is going to be here soon and he's calling his people home. And everybody's having these rapture rapture visions. You know, I feel like not everybody, a lot of people are having these rapture visions. A lot of people I feel like are being called home to God. And 
I feel like everything that he told me was going to happen is playing out right before my very eyes. So I feel pressured because I pray for my family. He's given me the opportunity to help them get where they need to be with him so that they aren't left behind so that they don't go to hell. And so I'm trying my best to fight for them. And I'm assuming all the responsibility and imagine having a family and I cannot even, I don't want to slander their name or talk about them, but imagine having a family that isn't as on board as you are. So it's harder because you can't force anyone to do that. But at the same time, you know you know that if when it's too late, it's too late. So you're not trying to force them. But at the same time, you don't want to wait for them to see. Like it's either it's either show them and, and stay on and stay on them about it. Or it's okay, whatever. See what happens when it happens. And then by then, they're they're seeing what happens when he comes and calls up the people who were there, who are willing to be there. And yes, that's all their, you know, that's their responsibility. Like, yes, that's what they're supposed to do. I cannot bring anyone to heaven with me. It's just my ticket. But he's given me the opportunity to wake them up. So I'm trying to assume responsibility for that. But it was getting to be so much because... I was not only fighting the devil, the devil was using my family to fight me. So it was just so frustrating. It was so frustrating because um, I just ended up drinking wine because I felt like, what is the point? What is the point? I'm fighting so hard and I'm trying my best and I don't want them to go to hell. And I'm seeing these visions. I'm giving these visions. You know, I see the devil. I know he's here. I hear him. I'm seeing what's going on in the spirit. I'm seeing what's going on in each and every single last one of our lives. God is showing me these things. And it's it's gotten to be so much because it's already a lot seeing that you are close to hell, that you have a lot to do in your own life in order to get where you're supposed to be. But to see that your family as well is in that position and you have the power to change that but it requires a certain level of dedication from you and you're giving all that you can and you're doing all that you can and it's still seeming like it's not enough that's a lot of pressure for anybody so it was so frustrating it really was so i drank and when i drank you know i expected god to be like I can't with you. Like, I'm telling you, I'm showing you. How can you do this after I've shown you? Like, I understand if you did this before you knew what I told you or before you've seen what I've shown you. But you're doing this after everything I've shown you. Like, at that point, I was expecting God to give up on me. Like, of course, anybody would give up on me ever after everything he's shown me. He showed me heaven. He showed me hell. He showed me where I'm at. He showed me what I can do. And he showed me that it's possible. So how can I fall back into sin? How can I do this? How can I, you know, how can I break his heart like that? How can I hurt him like that again after he's waking me up? I get doing that when I was asleep, but I'm awakened now. I'm woke. I can't slip back into my sleep. So I expected God to just walk away from me and give up on me and not care anymore. But God actually hugged me tighter and he lifted me up and he he showed me that, you know, when I started worshiping him, while I was a little bit wine drunk, 
Like I was a little bit tipsy. I started worshiping him while I was a little bit wine drunk. And I, the worship felt better than when I was sober. I was closer to him than when I was sober. And I felt that that was his way of showing me that I love you still. There's nothing that you can do that, first of all, I won't forgive you for. But second of all, that will make me leave you. I'll always be there. I'll never leave you. And especially when you fall. Because that's when you need me the most. Don't ever think that if you fall, if you trip, if you mess up, that I'm going to abandon you. Don't ever think that. And I just felt like that was everything that I needed. It was everything. And it just showed me, like, God, you really are my everything. God, you are everything. And you are just... Like, you're always blowing my mind when I least expect it. Always, always enlightening me, always showing me something I had never expected to see, that I never could have imagined. I otherwise never would have come to the conclusion of on my own. Like, so much, so far more than that. Like, and I was just so thankful and so grateful to, like, he hugged me. It felt like a hug. And I just felt like, Thank you, Lord, because I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I deserve this hug. And I feel like I'm being pressured to the point where it's like, not that God is super hard on anybody, but he's being hard on me for a reason. And I understand that. So how could I mess up? And I did because of overthinking everything, because of thinking I had to be perfect. And he showed me that you're not perfect. You can be made perfect in me. But I understand that you are not perfect and I see you trying and I love you no matter what. And don't ever think that I will ever abandon you ever. I won't ever abandon you. So I feel like that was like that's something that I remember. But I save that for like the really hard times because I don't want to overuse it. This, Satan is always trying to make me overuse my you know memories of encouragement from God. Because it gets to a point where they don't work anymore and then you slip back into sin and you think, what is the use of, you know, remembering why I'm doing this? What is the use of remembering the motivation that keeps me going? What is the use of using this motivation that keeps me going when he has you using it, overusing it? You might say, well, you can't overuse it, but you can. You can overuse it. You can overuse it in times where you could have tried a little harder. You could have fought a little more. could have. You know, done a little more. Don't justify the little things. Because when the big things come around, you know, you'll need it. And you'll you, you, you have played it out. You'll have overused it by then. But um, I've always been one of those people who think, like, if you really, really love something, you can never overuse it. Never. If you really love something. Or someone, you can never overuse it. You can never get tired of it. You can never get tired of them. Because if you ever get tired of something, how much do you really love it? See, I love God so much, I never get tired of him. When I'm in his word, when I'm praying to God, when I'm in the presence of God, I'm never tired of him. I could never get tired of him. I could stay there for the rest of eternity. And I understand that eternity is forever. I could stay there for the rest of eternity and never want to be anywhere else. It's not God that I'm ever tired of. It's fighting, 
you know, these demons, this evil, this wickedness in this world that I am overly tired of. I'm exhausted of it. So I'm never tired of God. I'm just tired of fighting to get to him. A lot of times I know where to find him. And I don't, you know, I can't say I don't realize it, but in this world, and this is not an excuse because you can make anything is made possible with God. But I hate that in this world, a lot of things that you do that is required of you, like literally required, like, for example, working a job, going to school, you know, having to go to a grocery store, the food you eat. Anything like everything in this world is really not where it's supposed to be, and that's just what it is. Doesn't mean it can't be made holy, it can be made holy. All you have to do is pray over everything, that's all. But still, when you're forced to be around situations that aren't necessarily as godly as you int- as you wish that they could be, and then when you get back in God's presence, you realize how far you have drifted. Just in that short amount of time. And of course, God will find you no matter what. You're his child. He'll, you'll never, no one can ever pull you from the father's hands. But when you drift off and you get back into his presence, it's, it's just, it's so hurtful to know that in that small time that you were able to drift I don't want to say drift so far because maybe you haven't drifted far. He won't allow you to drift too far from him. But just that you have drifted at all. Because all you want to do is be as close to him as possible. All you want to do is never leave your side. You don't want to ever drift from God. You just want to stay there forever, no matter what. And you don't realize that the little things that you do, the small choices that you make, cause you to drift from him further and further and further and it's it's hurtful it's just hurtful to you know get back to him and realize wow that's what I've been doing this whole time you know even though I understand I wasn't thinking of you how I should have been or I wasn't as close to you as I should have been or maybe I didn't think about you and everything that I did and even if I did think about you and everything that I did, maybe I didn't truly, maybe I didn't truly consider it. And maybe I didn't, you know, maybe it wasn't to the extent that it should have been. And you don't realize that you drift off. And a few examples of these things, and I don't want to condemn anybody. This is just for encouragement and for help. A few examples of these things would be when you're on Instagram, when you're on Twitter, when you're on Facebook, when you listen to secular music. Like, it's the small things. Or seemingly small. Excuse me. That add up. That drift you away. And even if it's just a small thing that drifted you off a little bit, the little things add up. So earlier today, I was going through my transactions And I saw a bunch of small charges, $1, $2, $3, sometimes just $0.30, $0.40, $0.86. And I added them up. And it was amazing to me how these small transactions, it's only like, like I really, I feel like I added about 10 of them. Just about 10. 
small transactions. And it was amazing how these, I looked at them like, oh, wow, this little bit of money is nothing. And they added up so quickly. It adds up so quickly. You really need to be careful because you think it's a small thing. It's a small mistake. You know, it's just, I just do this a little bit here and there. You know, it's just a little bit here and there. And you don't realize, you really don't realize that those small things add up so quick. And then imagine a bunch of small things in one day. You think one day is just one day, but it's a bunch of, you think one thing is one small thing is just one small thing. Then one day is just one day. Then it's a bunch of small things every day. And then the days add up. Then they turn to weeks, months, years, until you have a you have a full grown problem that you didn't know that you were nursing, that you didn't know that you were coddling, that you didn't know that you had even created from small things. Like how the seconds add up to a minute, then an hour. They add up and you don't want to keep putting it off and procrastinating thinking it was small or this is small. It's not that big. It's not that big. It's not that big of a deal. You know, I know people doing way worse things. They're doing major things all the time. I'm doing small things like and it's every blue moon and you don't understand that it all adds up. But you know what else adds up? Grace adds up. Mercy adds up. Blessings adds add up. So you know what you can do? to minimize or to eliminate a lot of these different small things that add up on a daily basis repent just as much you can never repent as many times as you make a mistake in a day god showed me that we make so many mistakes daily that we don't even realize that we're sinning so many different things we do without even knowing that it's wrong so try and repent as much as you feel like you're overly repenting. Ask for forgiveness when you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm asking for forgiveness for nothing. Because I remember at one point in life, I was like, I remember just saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. All day, even when I wasn't even doing anything wrong, I thought. I'm thinking literally all I'm doing is sitting here, you know, thinking of a new creative idea on how to expand something I love. Even with positive thoughts, because you might think, oh, what's the negative thoughts? No, even with positive thoughts, but I'm still saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me all day. And I said to God, I said, God, forgive me for saying forgive me so much because I'm asking you for forgiveness when I'm not even wrong. And God says, no, you actually could be asking for forgiveness more. And imagine me who I'm asking for forgiveness all day nonstop. Thinking, I could be asking for forgiveness more. I feel like I'm I'm bugging you. I'm bothering you. Every single time I'm saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I feel like I'm annoying to you. And God is like, no, you're, you're not wrong. You're right. Keep doing that. And I won't lie. For a second, I got a little bit scared. So I thought to myself, as much as I'm asking for forgiveness, I could be asking for forgiveness more geez, like, what is it that I'm doing? Because I honestly thought today, even though I was wrong in a few things that I did, I thought today was one of the good days. And it's because you don't understand. 
You don't understand every single little thing that you do that's wrong. You don't understand all of the things that you don't even realize you're doing that you need forgiveness for. You need to repent all the time, even when you don't feel like you're wrong, because it's not because you're not wrong that because you don't feel like it. Just because you don't feel like you're wrong doesn't mean you're not. It just means you don't realize that you are or you don't realize that you could be. Now, I'm not saying you're always wrong, but I'm saying but I remember thinking to myself, even if I'm not wrong. Let me go ahead and if this is possible, you know, you know how like rollover minutes, how minutes roll over to the next month. I'm thinking like if it's possible that I can repent so much. And if I'm not wrong today, my repentance, my forgiveness will roll over for when I'm wrong again tomorrow or when I do make a mistake the next time. So let me go ahead and add them up like I'm like I'm stacking up my my um repentance. I'm stacking up my prayers for forgiveness. And I don't know if that's possible. I did ask God. I said, God, is that is there is it possible to roll them over? God is like, no. No, you cannot stack your prayers for forgiveness up. Those will just go to times you weren't asking. Or those will just go to, honestly, you don't know how much you need forgiveness every single day with everything that you do. So honestly, if it's a scale of how wrong you are compared to how many times you've asked for, asked for forgiveness, you kind of need to ask for forgiveness a lot more. But what you can do is keep practicing that because you're going to be wrong again. They can't roll over, but you need to ask for forgiveness and you need to repent and get used to it. Get used to it because, I mean, honestly, I'm sure that, you know, Jesus didn't have to ask for forgiveness as much. Of course not. He was perfect. But imagine how Jesus actually, you know, imagine what Jesus actually did. Imagine what it was like for Jesus to know what's wrong and what's not. Imagine what it's like for Jesus to hear God's voice and not have a problem obeying. He doesn't have a second thought about about obedience. He's completely obedient. The Lord, I always love this part. When Jesus was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And God said, this is my son whom I am very pleased with. Whom I am very pleased with. You you would think that that's already goes without saying. Like this is your son and he's the Messiah. And you sent him here. And he's perfect and he's sinless. And he's great. You would think that it, he doesn't have to say that. But he said that too. And God does nothing for no reason. So for him to say this is my son. Whom I am very pleased with. That's I feel like that was an indication that. Everything that Jesus does pleases me. Everything that Jesus does is obedient to me. He is obedient. Everything. Every second of every day. Meanwhile, we're a bunch of heathens. Like, we're a bunch of heathens. We're wrong. We're sinful. We're always making mistakes. And Jesus is always doing what's right. Always. Never making mistakes. So, excuse me, never making a mistake. So I compare it, even though that's no, there's no comparison to Jesus. He's perfect. But I always think, because I want to be more like Jesus. That's the idea, to be more like Jesus. That's what I pray for. So I always think, so here I am. Well, I could, I'm praying for forgiveness all day, and that's still not enough. And then here's Jesus, who's perfect all day. 
never making a mistake. He always pleases God, always. He's never, ever, ever disappointed him. And I'm probably disappointing him so much, I don't even realize it. I mean, I know that I am making him proud in so many ways as well. But you don't, when you have, when you get an answer wrong on a test, you don't sit there and tell the answer that you got wrong. Well, look at all the other answers I got right, though. No. You say, okay, I did get all these other answers right, but this is the answer that I got wrong. So I need to focus and I need to work on that. So that's how I see my sin. I don't see my sin as a way to tear myself down or not be confident in what I am doing right. I see my sin as an opportunity to make it right, an opportunity to work on it. Because that's why God points it out to you, not to make you feel bad, not to make you feel like you're not good enough, not to, you know, make you feel like there's nothing that you can do to be good enough, but to show you what you need to work on so that you're not making any mistakes anymore so that you're not wrong. Now, maybe there's maybe there maybe you'll never not be able to make a mistake. But to believe that is already sliding yourself, because even though people say nobody's perfect, to be perfect is impossible. The only perfect person was Jesus. What you need to understand is that the Bible also says that with man it is impossible, but with God, anything is possible. And God told me that to be perfect, I mean, you can be, excuse me, you can be made perfect in him. So don't rule it out. I know growing up, growing up, what I always used to hear every single time I said, no, it's perfect or I'm perfect or that's perfect or you're perfect. And I did mean it metaphorically, but still every single time I said that. Somebody, it didn't matter who it was, whether it be a stranger, a family member, or a, you know, a brother or sister, whatever, or a friend, they would always say, no, don't say that. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. You hear me? Nobody. And at first I thought it was like, that's very considerate. Everybody's so considerate because they're protecting your feelings. They don't want you to think you can be perfect when you can't be. And then, you know, even as a kid, I started to realize what whose whose feelings really are they projecting? And I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just thinking, like, why is it such a thing for everyone to and just to signify that nobody is perfect? Nobody can ever be perfect. No one. No one is perfect. If anyone tells you they're perfect, they're lying. Why is that such a thing? How many times have you heard that in your life? Anytime you've ever brought up perfection. How many times? Every single time you brought up perfection, right? That's because a lot of times, even though that is, you know, comforting. Of course, it's comforting. And of course, in a way, it is true. No one really is perfect. It's even in the Bible. But, except Jesus. But, to keep telling someone no one is perfect there's you know if someone tell you they're perfect that's a lie that's a liar you know and for everyone to be so adamant about it it makes it discourages you from thinking that you ever can be and that's the point right 
I even said that one time, I think I won't specifically say, but I think I've, I've also brought that up. Like, well, it sounds like you're saying you can never be perfect. Or I think I remember saying something pertaining to like, are you kind of saying that there's no point in trying because I'll never be perfect? And they're like, yeah, yes, exactly. There's no point in trying to be perfect because you can never be perfect. Excuse me. Now, the thing with that is you're not wrong. That's why it's so hard to debate that with you. Because you're not wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody falls short of perfection. Only Jesus was the only perfect person to have ever existed. And that's one of the most amazing things about him. But... If God invented perfection and he has hopes for us to be better, just because we're not that doesn't mean that we can't be that. Like when God had Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when he when he breathed life into the dirt and made Adam and then took a rib from him and made Eve. God had hopes for them to stay and dwell in the Garden of Eden forever in perfect obedience of him. He never intended for them to be kicked out and to be sentenced to death here on earth. He never intended for that. So that would be like saying that God, that Adam and Eve could have never stayed in the Garden of Eden forever and lived for eternity. By saying that we can never be perfect, that's almost the equivalent. That means that God invented this and he actually has hopes for us to be that. And he wants that for us. But you saying that it can never happen. You're almost saying that we can never do that. We can never please God. We can never do what it is that he has hopes for us to someday do. And if God is always right, does he have hopes for us to someday do this and be this for no reason? Because for the first time in history, he'll be wrong. No, he has hopes because it will happen. It's going to happen. And the only way we ever get to perfection is if we keep perfecting everything that we do. We have to practice. And that's so stressful for everyone. I can just hear it right now. Somebody saying, oh, my gosh, don't put more on my plate than this already is. It's already hard to be somebody who's not perfect. And you're telling me I need to be perfect? Now that sounds absurd. But it's not meant to stress you out. It's not meant to create anxiety. That's what the devil wants. What it's meant to do is to tell you that don't ever stop striving for it. Don't ever let go of that. Don't ever give up on the idea of one day being perfect. Because another thing is that I've always, I always, I'm always brought back to this image. And in this image, there's this man. He's been working so hard. He's been putting his all, his everything. He's given up everything for this diamond mining project. And he's mining and, um, excuse me, I don't know what to call it, but he's mining underground for diamonds. And he's fighting and he's fighting and he's fighting and he's been fighting. And he, guess what? He's a big, a big ways in front of everybody else who was doing it. He's on his way. He's almost there. But he's mining, he's mining, he's mining, he's mining, and then he's getting tired. He's getting more tired. And then it starts to feel like, I'll never get there. Is, can, can anybody get there? Is it even there? 
Is it even possible? Does it exist? And then right, right before, right, just inches before he hits the jackpot and all of his life's work is made worth it. He turns around and he says, I've been doing this and I've been putting in all my work to get here. And I don't think I'll ever do it. And he walks away. And he gives up on his dream. And he was inches away. He was right there. If he had just gone for a little bit longer, just a little bit more, he would have made it. He would have hit the jackpot and miles before anybody else would have. And by that time, everything would have been his. He he found it first. He claimed it. And the only thing I could think about, I remember just looking over this image and and just studying this image for so long, like, because it was so hurtful to me. Because I oftentimes, I feel like I embody that man where I'm working so, 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 so hard. And I'm wanting so bad to get to that finish line. But I feel like I'm getting closer. Excuse me. I feel like I'm getting closer. I feel like I'm, you know, I can almost feel the sun shining on my face. I'm in a tunnel digging my way out. And I can almost feel the light at the end of the tunnel. And then right before I get there, because it feels like, oh my gosh, I've been going so hard. I've been fighting for so long. I I was tired three miles ago. I'm barely, like this energy I'm using, I don't even know where I'm getting it from. I don't even have it. I feel like I'll never get there. Like it almost, like at this point, I'm convincing myself it doesn't even exist. Like what if I keep going and going and going and I never, ever stop? Am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Maybe I should start thinking about other options. Maybe I should start thinking about, you know, anything that's left for me. Maybe I should start thinking about what else I could be doing. Maybe they're right because it's not just him doubting it. Everybody else doubted him as well. Everybody else is around him saying, oh my gosh, how long have you been digging? Do you really think you're going to get to those diamonds? Do you really think there's even diamonds for you? How do you know that treasure map is real? How do you know you know, you're going to be the one to find it. What makes you think no one else would have found it by now? You're wasting your time. And the whole time he's right on the right path, all he had to do was trust himself. But he gets tired. He gets tired of fighting everybody else. He gets tired of fighting his own self. He gets tired of fighting to have energy he doesn't have. He gets tired of hoping for something that seemingly is never coming. Each and every single inch that he breaks through each and every single wall that he knocks down is still not there and he's wondering how many more walls until I get there and then he quits and then meanwhile and it may be even one of the people who was telling him you will never get there it doesn't exist right in behind him a few miles behind him but approaching very fast is another man with just as much determination and just as much hopes to in finding that diamond mine. Except the only difference between him and this man is he may not give up. He may not stop until he gets there. He's willing to keep going no matter how long it takes. Even if, even if it takes until he's old and gray. He's willing to die digging for these diamonds. He's willing to die looking for them. And he's approaching fast. And even though this man... 
because he was right ahead of him and was fighting so hard and even deserved it, he would have gotten it first. But he gave up right before he got it. And the man right behind him, I mean, the picture is showing the man approaching fast. It doesn't mean he won't give up too. But he doesn't look like he will because the only difference in their faces, the only difference in their demeanor, the only difference in their attitudes is the man who is fast approaching is willing to do that until he dies. He won't ever give up. He's never quitting. As opposed to the man who eventually quit. Now, here's another thing that I considered while looking at this picture. Wasn't at one point he was that guy with that look on his face? Didn't at one point he get so, so, so tired and thought, you know, at one point he would he thought he would never give up. That he would do that until he died because he was so confident in his dream. He was so confident in the outcome of this situation. He was so confident that he was going to run into those diamonds and they were going to all be his. And he was going to be the first person to get them. At one point he was that confident and that hungry as well. But... He got wore down. He got wore down. So if I had to compare him to this other man, the only problem I think is that even though he was a little bit, just a little bit ahead of that guy and eventually gave up, how long would it take the other guy to eventually give up, if ever? And, you know, at what point did this man lose that confidence, lose that hunger, lose that drive in his fight? It's not what made him lose it. It's how far he made it until he did. Because there's a million different things that make you lose it. Nobody really cares about the reason why you did. I mean, yeah, somebody might care, but, you know, throw that in a bucket with all the other reasons why people quit. We want to know how far you made it until you quit. You know, what was your limit? And that could be a story in itself, but it's nowhere near compared to the story of the man who didn't. And he guess what? Right before you quit, you would have won. He kept going and he got what you what you walked away from. Now, can you blame God after that? Can you turn around and blame God and say, you know what? After all of the hope I put in everything. After me praying to you, wanting this, fighting for it, after me using every resource I had in order for me to get here, and me being so confident in what you had for me, and me not giving up for as long as I could, how could you let me not end up with it? I could just imagine at that point when he was walking away, how he had given up on God. Because that's how it feels when you're fighting for God. That's how it feels when you're reaching for him and you're 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 getting closer and closer and closer to winning. It just feels like, God, I still haven't won yet. I still haven't gotten there yet. Like I'm running on energy. I don't even have. Like my energy has been run out miles ago and I've been I'm still fighting. I'm sure there's a lot of people right now who have a lot to say like. Or could have a lot to say where they're like, excuse me, matter of fact, if that was me, I'd never give up. I'm the guy who didn't give up. I'm the guy who stayed hungry. I'm the guy who eventually got it because I'm going to fight until I die. But in order to say that, you have to be a person who never gave up ever. 
Have you never given up ever on anything? And that's still not an indication on if you ever would. Because when God gives you something that requires everything, even what you don't know that you have, you don't know if you give up. This is the hardest fight of your life. And you think, okay, well, once I know that it's, I'm at a certain point, that's when, you know, I know that I'm there and then I won't give up. And then you get to that certain point and you have to fight because you don't know it's going to require energy you didn't know you had. So how can you bank it all the energy you know you have? How can you put your confidence on or put your money on energy that you know you have? You can't put your money or confidence on energy that you don't know you have because you don't know you have it. That means whenever you get to that point is when we'll see if you're really the person who'd ever quit or give up. That's the only way to tell. You can never say what you do right now. The only way to know what you do is if you were ever in that position, which is why I don't judge that man for walking away. But it's a cautionary tale. Never give up. Even even if it feels like you will never make it, you'll never get there. You'll be old and gray or you'll die trying, die trying, die trying. Now, I know there's a bunch of different stories, and this is probably what caused the man to walk away. There's a bunch of different stories of people who died trying. Who's to say you'll be the one who just made it? Who was chosen? Who got there before everybody else? Who's to say it'll be you? Who's to say you won't be just another one of those people who died trying? There's no way to tell. That's where faith and confidence and trust comes in. You have to trust God. You have to have faith in God. Because there's really no way to tell. You can say whatever you want to say now. Think of a million different scenarios right now. None of that matters unless you're actually going through it. None of that matters until you actually in those shoes and in that position. Because if you've never been in those shoes, never been in that position, and even if you have, you cannot judge no one's journey. You cannot judge no one's confidence. You cannot judge nobody's fight. Because the only thing I can think about that that man who almost made it but walked away, the only thing I could think about is how hard he tried not to give up. How hard he tried to keep going and keep fighting until he couldn't convince himself to keep going anymore. And right before he couldn't convince himself to keep going anymore is right before he would have. I mean, right when he convinced himself to keep not to keep going is right before he would have reached his breakthrough and he would have won everything. Meanwhile, there's somebody behind him. And, a, and probably I'm going to be honest, this is something I'll. Something I also thought about. The reason why this guy may have been more hungry. The reason why this guy have may have been more confident about winning. The reason why this guy may have fought longer or harder or had more energy or more, you know, what do you call it? Uh, more stamina. The reason why is because this guy actually got his idea from that guy. So he actually is, he already has a stepping stone. He had a boost. This guy had to start with nothing. He made this idea up. So, of course, he's ran down for the next man to get his treasure. But can you blame God when you should have never quit? Can you? No, you can't. Even if whatever it is that you did, whatever path you paved, 
was exactly the stepping stone or the path that someone else used to get your treasure. You cannot blame God because guess what? You should have gotten your treasure. You should have never got given up until you got it. Now, that doesn't mean I don't feel bad for him. He put everything into that. He put all his resources into that. He fought so hard. That's who he wanted to. That's where he wanted to be. That's where he was going to be if he never given up. And you can say all day, you would have never given up because you're able to see that he was right there before he got there. But when you're in the dirt, digging your way out, and it feels like you never get out, yeah, you can say, I'm never getting out. I'm never giving up until I get out. Or I'm never giving up until I reach that, you know, finish line, until I reach that reward. But you don't ever know what that's really like until you're there. When you're suffocated, you, you're dirty, you cold, you tired, you ran out of resources a long time ago. Ain't nobody helping you and everybody's expecting you to lose. You don't really know what that's like until you're there. So I, I try my best not to judge them. But at the same time, I'm using it as a cautionary tale. To a certain extent, you have to judge. Only enough to take heed. 